0: Hello, this is Recovery Media and I'm Kevin Parker bringing you everything recovery from inspirational stories, tips, resources, and treatment options. Our mission is to make this world a cleaner place one story at a time. I figured it was fitting for me to introduce myself this way, so you guys understand where I came from, what I went through, and why I do what I do. So as far as I can remember, I dealt with all types of traumas. At two years old, my mother moved me in with my stepfather. He had two sons. One was my age. Unfortunately, he got attacked by a wolf. It ripped off his scalp, mutilated his face, even took one of his ears. This was absolutely devastating this is a trauma that no kid should ever go through and because of these traumas he was angry and mean and he never missed an opportunity to take out his anger on me because i was half his size he physically mentally and emotionally abused me every single day of my life as a kid this brought me all kinds of problems i was so sad so angry so depressed i wanted to kill myself as a little kid and at 10 years old i got introduced to alcohol and marijuana i started smoking and drinking on a daily basis just to ease my pain by high school i did just about every drug you could think of and i was selling drugs just to get by i felt like the man i had all the drugs all the money, all the women, all the so-called respect you can ask for. I learned how to cut every single corner in high school, but little did I know, the only thing I was cutting short was myself. See, I went into high school, I was a baseball and football star. I was in the honors class, but by the time I graduated high school, I graduated by the skin of my teeth. I watched all of my friends go to their dream colleges while I stayed home. This made me so resentful. I was so angry inside. And at 18 years old, I got hit by a bus. I injured my neck and my back, and I got severely addicted to painkillers. This is when my life started to spiral out of control. I started getting arrested for selling drugs. I owed this guy $16,000. He wanted to kill me. I lost every opportunity that I ever had. I ended up homeless. I had no friends, every relationship gone. Before I knew it, I was standing there all by myself. And at 25 years old, I was homeless and my father took me in. He let me stay there for about six months until he looked at me and he said, Kevin, either get help or get out. Me being all prideful, I chose to leave. Packed all of my stuff in a book bag, threw my safe on my shoulder, and I stormed out the house. I walked about a mile in the freezing cold in a tank top and shorts with tears running down my face with a safe on my shoulder. I must have looked like a crazy person who just stole a safe. When I got to my best friend's house, I convinced his mother to let me stay. I told him my father hated me, he didn't love me, and I had nowhere to go. She said, Kevin, you could stay here as long as you want. I love you like a son. That night, she cooked me a bowl of macaroni and cheese. Should have been the last meal of my life. Everybody woke up except for me. In the morning, they found me face first in my vomit, blue, completely unresponsive. The next thing I knew was I was waking up in the hospital three weeks later from a coma. I even found out that I died three times in that that coma. I got so bad they had a priest come in and read me my last rites. The first thing that I seen when I woke up was my mother's face and what I did to her. She looked like she aged 10 years since the last time that I seen her. This was the most guilt and shame that I ever felt in my whole life and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. This was the moment that I realized I messed up and I needed to make a change. I started looking around the room realizing how bad of a situation I really was in. I had the doctors tell my parents that I wasn't gonna make it through the night, that if, if I survived, I was gonna lose all four of my limbs and be completely brain dead. I was never gonna be the son they once knew. I was going to lose all four of my limbs and be completely brain dead. I had multi organ failure. I had a 108 degree fever. My brain was frying. They had me under ice blankets. I mean, most people I know didn't even, never even heard of a 108 degree fever. I was at 105 consistently, topping out at 108 degrees. It is a miracle that I'm still alive, no less not brain dead. This idea of losing all four of my limbs and being completely brain dead was worse than dying to me. This is when I got desperate. So when I started to pray to a God, I didn't even know, begging and pleading for a second chance. Please God, get me out of this. I learned my lesson. Just give me a second chance. If I get out of this, okay, I promise I'm gonna make a difference. I promise I'm gonna change. Just give me a second chance. For weeks on end, I had no response. Until one day, the doctor came in and said, Kevin, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is, I think you're going to make it. I think you're out of the woods. The bad news is, we're going to have to take your leg or you're going to die. Whew. Whew. When I heard this, Every emotion you could possibly think of ran through my head. Anger, frustration, resentment. But amongst all of these emotions, there was one emotion that I had to hold on to the tightest. That was the emotion of gratitude. See, I had thoughts in my head thinking, what was I going to do for the rest of my life? How was I going to make a living? What girl is going to want to marry a man with one leg when there are literally billions of men walking around with two? These are the thoughts that you get when you're in this kind of situation. So I had to hold gratitude. I had to learn how to walk, talk, breathe, eat, drink all over again. I was 100 pounds soaking wet. They used to take me off of the breathing machines for short periods of time. And lower the oxygen, low enough so I'd have to struggle for each and every single breath, but just high enough so I wouldn't die. It was like being waterboarded for weeks on end. It was absolutely torture. One of the most terrifying experiences of my entire life. And I've been through some pretty terrifying experiences. Uh, I've been shot at. I've been tried stabbed. I've been in situations where I thought I was going to die. This was the most terrifying I've ever been in my whole life. And it took me four months to get out of that hospital. And the biggest thing that I've learned, and I even brought it into my recovery, was your number one asset in life is your support system. Because when your back is up against the wall and you have no other options, it's your support system that's going to get you through. And thank God I had such an amazing support system. Because when I got out of that hospital, I thought the battle was over. Little did I know it had just begun. When I left that hospital in that wheelchair and I pulled up to my house and I realized that I had to get up two flights of stairs just to get to my bed, it might as well have been a mountain. It took me an hour and a half to get up those flights of stairs. Every ounce of strength that I could muster. When I got to my bed, I collapsed in pure exhaustion. And this is when it all hit me, that I was all alone. That I had no friends left my girlfriend left me I was missing a leg 100 pounds couldn't move my hand blind in one eye no future nothing I was completely depressed I wanted to kill myself but then I remembered those moments in that hospital begging and pleading with God for a second chance now although this wasn't the second chance I would have chosen Nonetheless, it was still a second chance, and I had to hold my end of the bargain. My stepmother suggested I read a book called The Secret, and I don't know if anybody out there has ever heard of the book The Secret. I'm sure a lot of you have, but it's about the law of attraction. Like attracts like. Whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. This was a powerful thought for me to hold on to. It gave me hope. It gave me strength. So I pulled out a piece of paper, and I started writing down all the things that I wanted to be able to do. Started thinking of the simple things. I wanted to be able to walk again. I wanted to be able to make friends, find a woman that loved me, find a purpose and passion in life. And the list went on and on and on. But I realized, before I did any of this, the first thing I needed to do was get off of the medication they had me on, they had me on methadone. And let me tell you, there was not an army in hell that was going to get me into another hospital at this point. I could have went to the traditional detox and rehab facility, but there was no way it was happening. I just wasn't, wasn't allowing it. There was no way I was going back to the hospital. So I decided to white knuckle it. I locked myself in my room for a month. Now, I don't know if anybody here, I'm sure many of you have because it's a recovery podcast, have went through the withdrawals of opiates but it's absolute torture. It's like having the worst flu that you've ever had and had every ounce of physical, mental, and emotional pain that you should have felt that entire time using all hit you at once. It's torture. But you know what? It shows you what you're made of. And when I got through that, I realized that I was stronger than I thought. It started to give me a little strength. I knew this next step was that I had to go to the prosthesis office And figure out what i needed to do to start walking again so i talked to the doc i said listen what do you think how long is it going to take me to walk he said kevin it does not look good you're really bad atrophy you're you're 120 pounds you're missing a leg you can't move your hand it's probably gonna take you two years to learn how to walk right (laughs) when i heard this i was so pissed off i almost cursed the guy out i looked at him i said no offense doc But don't tell me what I'm going to do. I'll show you. And I stormed out of there as fast as a person on a wheelchair can possibly storm out of an office. So furious. But I was determined. Two weeks later, I came into his office with just a cane. The nurses tried to grab me. I said, don't you dare touch me. I'm going to do this my way. I came back two weeks later, completely unassisted, walking on my own two feet. The doctor was blown away. He couldn't believe it. He was like, this is a miracle. And from his reaction, I was pretty impressed myself. Uh, This started giving me some momentum in my life, and I really started challenging myself. And you have to to pull yourself out of your comfort zone. You have to stretch what you're comfortable doing. So for the next month, I worked and worked and worked, and I gathered my family and friends and a recorder, and I had them record me running down the block running down the block. Picture that. A doctor tells you it's going to take you two years to learn how to walk. You are running in two months. And what I learned from this experience is don't ever let anyone ever tell you what you can or cannot do in life. Your only obstacles are your mindset and your faith. Anything is possible. Believe in yourself. You can do it. And after this, I, I I started to believe in myself. But I knew I had to get myself back physically because I was still a mess, still 120 pounds, still couldn't move my hand. So for the next few months, I stared at my wrist and I stared at my hand and I tried to will it back to life. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the movie Kill Bill when she's staring at her toes and she's wiggling, trying to wiggle her toes. Well, that was me with my hand. I was trying, to, trying for the life of me to get my hand to work again. And, for nothing, it would not move. So I stared at it for nine months, talking to it. Come on, we've been doing this our whole lives. Just move. Nothing. I'm not I'm not going anywhere until you start moving. And one day, my finger wiggled. And that's all I needed to know. I got my finger to wiggle, started getting my hand to move, then my wrist started moving. And before you knew it, I was able to use my hand again. This was a miracle. This was not supposed to happen. Another thing that showed me that you could do absolutely anything when you put your mind to it. Now that I got my hand and am I'm am I, am I able to uh, walk, I started going to the gym a little bit, working out. I gained my weight back, started looking like an actual human. And I got back to a respectable size. But although I was back physically, mentally and emotionally, I was a wreck. See, my brother is one of the most popular kids I ever met. He knows everybody. He's like the mayor of Staten Island. He would be so proud of me. He would introduce me to everybody, and I was so ashamed and so guilt-ridden and so self-conscious and low self-esteem that I would shake somebody's hand and I'd look directly at the ground because I didn't even know who I was. I had no identity. But I'll never forget the day that that changed. It was the first Halloween. I got invited to a costume party. I went to the costume store and i seen the perfect outfit i went home i cut off the pant leg and i went out that night as parker the peg leg pirate and let me tell you i walked and ran and jumped and skipped and danced all around that party and every time somebody asked me about my leg i looked them straight in the eye and i said shark ate me leg and they would laugh and it was one of the running jokes of the night in fact I won the costume contest that night. I even met a beautiful girl, spent the whole night with her. I won the best nights of my life. What I realized was people were loving me for who I was. I needed to start loving me for me. And for the longest time, I didn't know what that was because I was so consumed with drugs that it made me a completely different person. I was learning who I actually was for the first time since I was a little kid. And let me tell you, it was a very telling journey. And it was beautiful and it was challenging. and But it was one of the most amazing experiences. Because I finally got to understand who I actually was. But I realized I had so much catching up to do. Because I spent over a decade doing drugs. Heavy drugs. Ruined my life. Ruined my friendships, Relationships my self-esteem, everything. I had to start rebuilding myself back from nothing. And I did it in in the addict way. I got addicted to something. But the difference here was I got addicted to something that was beneficial to me in my life. See, we're all addicts. We're all addicts of pleasure. Just because your favorite flavor of pleasure is different than mine doesn't make you any better. It means that you found a more healthier outlet to express that pleasure, to find that pleasure. But now that I was clean, I started discovering other ways that I can find pleasure in my life that were healthy and conducive and for my, for my success and beneficial for my health. I started getting addicted to the gym. I started going to the gym every single day and working out and, and doing all these things to get into tip-top shape, start building back my confidence. I started to become a self-development junkie. I read well over 200 books on self-development, autobiographies, self-help books, anything I could pick up just to get a little better, a little smarter, a little wiser, a little faster, anything that would add value to my life. And I got so addicted to this, I started rapidly, rapidly getting bigger, better, and stronger each and every single day. I realized that I couldn't do construction, which I did my whole life. I was a union worker. I couldn't work really with my hands, so I had to start working with my brain. I went back to college. I thought I was going to be a doctor. I realized that I was a lot smarter than I thought I was. I was getting straight A's in college, and I was one of the smartest kids in each and one of my classes. In high school, I was the class clown, the pothead in the back that sold drugs out the back door. I was actually stepping at the top of my class in my school. I realized the sky was the limit. But after a few short years in college, I realized I didn't want to do 10 years in college to become a doctor. So I started to backpedal and I wanted to be a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant, or maybe a physical therapist. And I got, I double majored. I I did psychology. I did bio. I got all the prerequisites to go into these classes. And the world started opening up for me. I started opening up little businesses Uh, I started doing MLM businesses, which uh, are great businesses, network marketing, but they're not for everyone. (laughs) They're not for everyone, and a lot of people don't make money, but a lot of people make really serious money. It just wasn't the field for me, but it, it opened my idea for being in business for myself. It started teaching me that I was capable of doing big and great things. I actually did pretty decent in network marketing. I just didn't like it. Because I had to chase around my friends and family and ask them to join my quote-unquote pyramid scheme. And I was making all the money, and none of them were making any money. So it just wasn't the thing for me. But I I totally believe in network marketing, MLM. But you got to find a company and a product that really suits you, and you got to never give up. But it just wasn't for me. But it it just taught me that I wanted to have some kind of business aspect to my life. Uh, I opened up a bunch of different businesses. I had a leasing company. Uh, I hated selling cars. I don't really even know anything about cars except that I like trucks. I like fast cars. Uh, And I didn't like hitting people over the head uh, during sales. So it just wasn't me. I didn't want to be a grimy uh, uh, car salesman. Not that every car salesman is grimy, but I just started to feel that way because there was a lot of maneuvering, shaking, and chucking and jiving that was going on that I did not like. So uh, I ended that business, and I got my degree in psychology, And I was going to school. I winded up applying to Wagner College because I wanted to get into their physician's assistant program or their accelerated nursing program. And I was a shoo-in. But the only thing was, I thought it was like the movies where you get the letter in the mail and everybody crowds around the living room table. And you get the letter that says, Dear Kevin, you have been accepted to Wagner College. Congratulations, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Little did I know we're in 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 the millennial century. And everything is done by email. And I missed the email. I called up Wagner College. I was like, hey, how did I get accepted? They asked me what my name is. They're like, yes, congratulations. You did get accepted. I got so excited. They're like, but we gave away your seat because you missed your interview. And I was really devastated for a little while. Until I went to an event called UPW, Unleash the Power Within with Tony Robbins. And this absolutely opened up my whole perspective on life basically told me do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life do what your passions what's your x factor what do you have to offer people to set the world on fire now i wasn't real quite sure but i knew i was passionate about recovery i knew i was passionate about helping people i knew i wanted to have my own business i did not want to work for somebody else so I started figuring out what I was going to do. And I seen in the, in the newspapers, people were constantly dying from overdoses, from heroin, from painkillers, from all of these different things. So I wrote my story to the news. Within 30 minutes, they came back to me and they said, Kevin, that's one of the most amazing stories I ever heard. We'd love to publish your story on the front page of the Sunday Advance And this was the first time that I got this type of exposure. And there was like, I don't know the number, there was like 100,000 people that it reached. Organizations were reaching out to me like, I would love for you to speak at my event. And I said, sure, why not? And the first time I spoke on stage at a Scared Straight event for the Addictions Angel, I was terrified. They say the biggest fear in life is public speaking. Well, it is pretty terrifying, but I, I was on a mission. I went up there with a crumpled up piece of paper, my glasses were fogging up. I was stuttering. I was sweating. I thought I was never going to get through this speech that I was reading off a piece of crumpled loose paper. But I got through it. And when I finished, the entire crowd gave me a standing ovation. People lined up to shake my hand, to give me hugs, and tell me how I inspired them and how I changed their life. And in this very moment, I realized I wanted to do this forever. I wanted to speak to kids in schools. I wanted to help people with recovery. I wanted to save people's lives. But I didn't know the outlet that I was going to do it. I had no idea how to do it. So I joined, a, um, I joined a organization called the John Maxwell Team. I don't know if anybody knows who John Maxwell is, but he's one of the top leaders in leadership. He's, he's one of the top motivational speakers he's written like 30 40 best-selling books absolutely amazing but he has a coaching program called John Maxwell team speaking coaching and training and I took this class and I started to learn how to become a good life coach and I started realizing how to become a better public speaker and a trainer and a teacher and to start sharing my gifts with other people and I really started going through this and I was on cloud nine man I was like I'm gonna change the world but I had one hiccup. I realized that I was still addicted to porn. I thought I was clean. I didn't think you can actually get addicted to pornography. But little did I know, I was heavily addicted to pornography. I was watching it two, three times a day. And it was, it was consuming my mind. It was consuming my thought process, my confidence. And it took me a long time to really... Uh, overcome this and beat this addiction because it's so easy. You're not hurting anybody else. Nobody knows about it. You just do it on your own. You don't think it's you think it's a, a victimless crime, but you're ruining your intimate relationships. You're ruining your confidence. You're ruining your your memory. I mean, it just destroys you internally as a person. And if anybody out there is struggling with Pornography addiction, please reach out to me because I love to help you It's a bigger issue than you could think if you're if you're depressed if you're anxiety ridden and you're watching too much porn I'm telling you that is the reason why So now I'm really trying to figure out what I'm gonna do with this life coaching how I'm gonna help other people What I'm gonna do and I stumbled across a school called the addictions Academy with dr Kali Estes and this was the game changer for me because I knew I want to be a life coach But I wanted to specialize in something. you got a niche in something that you do because you can't be the generalized uh, professional these days because there's the internet and you're you're competing with everybody in the whole world. So there's riches and niches. You need to become an expert in a field. And my expertise was drugs and alcohol and addiction because that's what my life was all about. So I took her recovery coaching class and I absolutely fell in love with the notion. I became really good friends with Dr. Callie. She's very, very knowledgeable on the subject. I took our intervention course. i became become a certified drug interventionist, recovery coach, family coach, sober companion, neuroscience with addiction, health. I took like nine different classes in her course, and I just wanted to get as many certifications as I possibly could around addiction so I could be the best person in recovery there is. In fact, I got so good at it, uh, I became um, Dr. Callie's number one coach, and I teach her recovery coaching class and life coaching class uh, to other people that are trying to learn that. In fact, I helped her create the life coaching curriculum for that school. And this was a really big feat for me. But now I had a niche and I was helping people get into treatment facilities and help them overcome addiction and even living with them if they were struggling and they couldn't do it themselves. I would stay with them for a certain amount of time and live with them in their house and help them in the day-to-day basis and see in real-life time their triggers. Or I would do Zoom call recovery coaching. And it was the most impactful thing I ever did. I mean, I can't even count the amount of people that I've helped beat addiction. How many people that I've gotten to treatment facilities, whether it be detoxes, IOP programs, rehab facilities. I mean, it, it was endless. And it was just the most fulfilling thing I ever did in my life. Because they say recovery is the one thing that you need to give away to keep it. And let me tell you, I have a terrible neck and back from getting hit by that bus. There are days that I just want to take a painkiller because I'm in so much pain. But the fact that I get to give back and I get to help other people that are struggling with addiction is one of the big reasons why I stay clean. One of the big reasons I stay positive. One of the big reasons I stay successful because I love to give back. I love to teach people what I do. I love to do what I do. I mean, it's just the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my whole life. And I really want to step step it up a notch. And I remember on the deathbed of my stepmother, after she took care of me in the hospital, she died of stage 4 cancer throughout her whole body. And one of her last dying wrote, wrote one of her last dying words was Kevin, promise me you're going to write a book. Because I know you're going to change lives. You don't even know it. And I looked at her. I thought, what does she know that I don't know? Because I'm nobody. I'm not going to do anything. But I promised her. I was like, yes, Debbie, I promise you I'm going to write a book. I promise you I'm going to save lives. And I had to hold that promise because she meant so much to me. She was the world to me. She was my second mother. I mean, she treated me like her own son. And I never wrote anything more than 10 pages in college. How was I going to write a book? I just started writing. And it took me about two years, but I finally got the book done. I, I hired a coach. I hired a publishing team. I, I mean, I hired somebody for the audio book, and it was a major success. It was an international best-selling book, number one in 43 categories. The book is called Winning Against All Odds, Discovering the True Warrior Within by Kevin Parker. You can find it on Amazon in audio paperback or kindle version i mean it's an absolute amazing story i have incredible reviews if you or one of your loved ones is struggling with addiction i highly suggest you read the book or if you're struggling with anything i mean it's an amazing story it's a super fun read and uh, i think it might change your perspective in your life so if you if you're if you're a reader or you like to listen to books i suggest you go cop that book at amazon you'll really enjoy it and i started really really collaborating with people but I knew something was missing. Uh, I I, mean, myself, I have ADHD, so I get distracted very easily. I work better in a team setting. And I realized I wasn't gonna be able to have the impact that I wanted to have by myself. Uh, Through uh, an old student, one of my best, absolute best students I ever had as a recovery coach. um, And you're going to meet him very soon. He introduced me to an individual called Lou. And he is the founder of Recovery Media. Um, And I decided to partner up with him, Connor, and our friend and associate, Will, to bring Recovery Media to the masses. And our mission is to literally help every single person we can possibly get our hands on, whether it's finding them a detox. An in- intensive outpatient program, a rehab facility, a recovery coach, sober companion, family coach, whatever it is, whatever whatever insurance they got, wherever they are in the whole entire country, it does not matter. We are here to serve, and I loved his mission, and I thought there was nobody else in this planet that I would love to partner up with than these individuals. I mean, they have a heart of a gold. Their hearts are in the right place. They are determined – They are motivated and they just love helping people. And it just felt right in my heart and my soul to partner with them. And I I truly believe we're going to change the world. Our mission is to change the world, to make this world a cleaner, more sober place. So families can have their loved ones. So people can live their lives out and not get cut short from overdoses or jail or hitting rock bottom and being homeless i mean there's so much potential that's locked in addiction you couldn't even believe it some of the most innovative resourceful people i ever met were ex-addicts and it's our job and our mission to help them fulfill their life their purpose and their passions because the world will be a much better place if they do And this is really what we're trying to do at Recovery Media. So this is the first episode of Recovery Media. I'm going to introduce you to all the other founders of Recovery Media in the next few episodes. And we're going to be taking on other people with profound stories, profound resources, anything that can add value to somebody struggling with addiction or somebody that knows somebody struggling with addiction that wants to be educated, inspired, and motivated to make this world a better place, however that might look. We're really looking for good stories uh, and people to start this revolution that we're doing at Recovery Media. It's absolutely amazing, and I'm really, really excited to bring this to you. There's going to be some amazing stories. This is just the first to come. Um, If you don't already, I suggest you follow our Facebook page, Recovery Media. We post all day, every day. You can contact us at there through DM. We are there 24 seven. We're happy to answer any questions you might have, any concerns, any problems you might have. We will help you solve them. We're here to help and we'd love to hear from you. So I'm really, really looking forward to being the host of this recovery media podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. It's been absolutely real. And I'll see you the next episode of Recovery Media. God bless everybody.